Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Small Church Shepherds Podcast. My name is Dennis Ellenberg. I'm the pastor of Antioch Baptist Church in Brandon, Mississippi. Small Church Shepherds exists to equip, enrich, and encourage small church pastors. And this is our inaugural podcast. And I'm here with Jonathan Greer and James Clardy. And we're excited to have um, you with us here on this first podcast. And so I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And let you guys share who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into the podcast. So I'm going to start with you, Greer. Greer, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my uh, name's Jonathan Greer. I pastor at Franklin Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi. Um, got a been a pastor for six years. Been in the ministry for nine or ten. Uh, I guess it's ten years now. Been in the ministry, so I'm on the young end of things. Uh, just a newbie in the game. Uh, have a wife, Hannah, and a five-year-old son, Josiah, and um, just love serving on the coast so far, I guess. Yeah. Hi, James. I'm James Clardy. Uh, I'm a teaching elder at Grace Falls Church in uh, Fedville, Tennessee, and I'm um, actually a church I helped plant and planted about about 15 years ago. And um, we've come back here to do some work with it. Um, I am the uh, husband of Tracy Clardy and the father of five kids. And um, I've been preaching and pastoring since I was 17, so uh, for 20 years um, yeah. been doing this. And been doing it for a little while. And uh, really excited about the opportunity for uh, the blogs and the podcasts that are coming up. Uh, and uh, just to give you a little background about what brought all this about was the fact that all of us have participated in pastoring smaller churches, but to be honest, is the majority of Southern Baptist churches are mm-hmm. their memberships are 200 members or less. So therefore, uh, instead of being the minority, we're in the majority. So uh, just over years of pastoring smaller churches, um, I always saw that there was a great need to, as you said, enrich and encourage and equip these pastors because all of the material. Not all of the material. I don't want to say that, but a majority of the material, yeah, that Mm -hmm. that is produced. Um, They have a lot of great uh, practical things to help churches. Very fewer to help a a single pastor church, or maybe Mm -hmm. a single pastor church that has two or three part time staff, or maybe a couple of full time staff. But there was nothing there solid to say this is how you can do it. uh, If it be very practical um, for your for your local church, so uh, Dennis and I. we, this really was born out of going to a conference in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. We uh, we did a lot of writing and talking, and we just came up with the idea, started talking about what if we get together, and not only ourselves, but the help with other pastors, other scholars, uh, and just started talking about what are the issues facing smaller churches and the pastors, and what can we do to help those churches. And I know this is a sexy term nowadays, but how can we help those churches become healthy uh, vibrant, biblically centered, biblically founded. Um, and so we, we started with this and, um, we, we were sort of getting off the ground and then I threw a curveball at Dennis and I moved. And so, <laughs> you did, um, you left me, yeah, man. I did, I did, I moved. So, but yeah. with all that being said, that, that's sort of the heartbeat is our desire, um, is to take if any knowledge that we have, any wisdom that we have that God has given us, uh, through learning or just through experience of pastoring churches, um, and also, if there's any other people there, I mean, there's Jonathan that's here. There's just we have a lot of friends, obviously, in the ministry, right. and those who are even pastoring larger churches that 
at one time we're at smaller churches and maybe have some insight how to help that church grow, become more doctrinally sound, or or uh, can even practically give some advice on what they're doing at a 500 membership when we're over here at 100 or 75, you know, membership. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. That's the heartbeat. That's the tone behind it. Is we are not men who have it figured out, but we're in the trenches. And yeah. we want to get arm in arm with other men who are in the trenches and say, all right, how can we help each other in doing this? Because um, I know you all know this, but one of our greatest dangers as ministers, we get just so isolated. And we, and we, mm-hmm. we, and we become discouraged. If we don't become discouraged, we become competitive. And, and just all these right. type of things that, that do not need to be there. Um, just for the good for our souls and the good for the local church. So, uh, you know, I'll be quiet on that. But that's just sort of a sort of the the history, the the heart, uh, right. beginning stages of, of why we want right. to do. And, and let me dig into that for a little bit because, um, you know, when when we talk about conferences and things, I think we've all been there where we go to the conference and you've got uh, the big name guy on the stage, and he says, you know, this is what I did to help grow my church to. 500 people in two years and and you know if you'll do this system if you'll buy this system and take it back with you then you'll be running that and and we've all fall we've all fallen prey to that um desire to to take the easy way out of growing not realizing that 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 may have happened for that guy but a lot of that first off was the work of the holy spirit which we can't replicate in a box but then secondly there was a lot of 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 other things that contributed to that growth that had nothing to do with the program. It had to do with um, demographic changes, people involved, the passion of the people in the church. And and those are things that, that sometimes we miss. And, and, and when you're a smaller church pastor and you're told buy this kit and it'll help you grow your church to 500 and you take that kit home and you may see five people or you may see a decline because it burns your people out. It makes Mm -hmm. you feel like you're the failure. Um, Yeah. And everyone doesn't have that gifting, you know, who that might've worked for that guy, but that was his gifting, his personality type that could make something like that happen. And I just echo the need for, what we're doing here, um, you know, yes, you go to conferences. It's all about what you can do, but you need to be at a bigger church with more staff. You go to read books or to go to lectures, but it's even institutionalized. I mean, classes you take in seminary, uh, everything you're reading, all you're talking about is, well, you get, they're assuming you have a teaching pastor. They're assuming you have an education minister and a youth minister and associate right. pastor. Um, and I, one of the most discouraging things for me, I remember taking a uh, discipleship strategies at uh, New Orleans and I came away from that. Uh, the, the final project was to write a discipleship strategy for your church. And I came away uh so discouraged from right. that class because everything nothing they taught me in that class equipped me to write or prepare a discipleship strategy for my church with 60 people you know and I'm the only part-time staff you know right uh, and, and, and and I'm sorry to interrupt but this is a this is a modern phenomenon you go back 50 right. years ago you didn't have church growth in seminary classes i mean you right. i mean you might have, but you didn't have a class or or, or a focus uh, on that. And I'm not I'm not downplaying that. I'm playing that. I think it's a good thing. But if we look, and 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 I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but 
but this is only a, a modern uh, phenomenon where we get so focused on getting 300 extra people in two years. I mean, to, right. to be honest, to be honest, if I see a church grow by 500 within a year or two, praise God. But at the same time, I, I, I want to look at what, what's your methodology? What are you doing this? How are you right. doing that? Because it's not that the Holy Spirit can invade a place and bring revival to a place. We all believe that. We've studied church history. We've, we've, we've obviously studied the scriptures. But but I, I would say to that is I think it's undue pressure that we should not right. put upon ourselves. Yes, um, yes. If, if God works in a church and they have phenomenal growth, praise God, we're not bashing on any bigger churches or anything. It's right. not like that. Right. Yeah, it's no just doubt. that it's uh, it's that we can't all be expected to produce that in our individual situation. You know, what about that pastor that's serving in a community where all the businesses are shutting down and jobs are leaving and, right. uh, you know... Hey. I lived in Pickens, Mississippi. You go, you, you go, you, I'm, I, I pastored First Baptist, Pickens, yeah. Miss Pickens Baptist for six years. Okay. Um, go there. I challenge anyone to drive through there and see what's there. It, and, the and by the way, there? by the way, before you go any further, James, yeah. we want you to know if you're in Pickens, Mississippi, we love Pickens, Mississippi. This is no <laughs> indictment on Pickens, no, no, Mississippi. Got, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, people have pastors still call me and we talk. Yeah. It's simply though they know the community, um, everything's dried up. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. gone, and so you have farmers, you have some teachers, and you have some other people there. And and yes, and, and that's what I'm saying is that is not an area where you're going to boom in two years. You're going to have to go yeah. labor and toil and plant the seed and and water the seed and be mm-hmm. patient and disciple and share the gospel. And and so it's no. My my whole point is this. This this idea I never seen the scriptures where Christ puts the pressure on the minister, the pastor, to double his growth in three or four years. Right. You know, yeah. I yeah. remember um, I was at a conference in Hattiesburg and Russell Moore was there and Jim Shattuck was preaching, and he he said this at the beginning of Colossians. Um, he was going they were going through it expositionally, and and I was a younger minister and I had, I put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, we weren't growing as fast as I wanted and. But anyway, but he made a statement. He said, if you notice in introductions, introductions of Ephesians, Colossians, he never asked, hey, how's your building programs? How many rear ends do you have in the seat? What's your numbers like budgets? <laughs> he said, we have heard of your faith, hope, and love. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and he said, this is, this is the measuring stick or say standard of if I'm going to write a letter to Jonathan or, or to Dennis or just call you is to say, how, how are you people, how are your people growing in faith, hope, and love? You know, right. uh, but now, now my, my my passion is to see the church grow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we want to see right. souls saved and, and discipled. But but I think sometimes and I'm guilty of this, that we put such pressure on ourselves that I don't see a clear command from Scripture. You know, the Lord says, thus, do not add 15 percent annually to your role. You know, I mean, right. but well, I mean, well, look, you know. let me let me steer a conversation. There's a couple more topics we want to. We want to talk about today, and one of them, and it's a question that I that I I have, you know, recently, um, and I'm not going to name the guy's name, but we had a mega church pastor who basically, um, although he did apologize later for what he said, he basically sort of indicated that if you weren't taking your kids to a mega church where they would have access to the facilities and and all of that, that you were doing them a disservice. And that's that's a very gracious way of saying what he said. Mm. But um, 
not to bash that or to beat that dead horse, um, which apparently, according to PETA, is now a bad thing to say. We're supposed to say <laughs> something totally different. I don't know if you've seen that feed Facebook. A, feed the fed horse. Yeah, feed the fed horse. That's correct. Thank you, Jonathan, for, yes. for correcting me. I, I'm not up on my feed. politically <laughs> correct lingo. Not, not going to offend any vegans. Not fed horse today. But um, why do you believe that small churches are important given that everything seems to, the pressure seems to be moving people even in rural areas to, to, to flood the bigger churches. Why do you think small churches are important? Well, Hey, if I could take that right now, I have a very recent example of this just a few months ago. Um, we had a, I was sitting down preparing for a, it was either a Sunday night or a Wednesday night service. I can't remember right now off the top of my head. And, and this guy comes in off the street. And our church, you have to understand, is is right on the interstate. So we get strange people coming in all the time. And and I thought, you know, just for a second, I thought, well, this guy, something's going on here. And right. I, could, I can tell that he'd been drinking. And so I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. But he wants to come in and sit down and talk to me. Uh, and I sit down and I start talking to this guy and find out that he is going to a campus of a mega church in a town over from us. Um, and he was talking about how, how fantastic that church is, is, uh, how great their worship is, all the lights and the, you know, and, right. and the, the band and, and how great their preacher was and how he's such a phenomenal preacher. And then he then he begins to tell me how his life is falling apart and that he was wanting to end his life that night. Mm-hmm. Um, guy was addicted to alcohol. His wife was addicted to alcohol. They, their marriage was falling apart. He was supposed to be going into rehab, but he was considering suicide before he could ever even go into rehab. And, and as I talked this man down from suicide, and, and I realized, you know what? Yeah, that, that church, as big as it is, they probably have no idea that this guy's hurting like this. Mm. You know, he's going in, he's from his testimony, he goes there fairly regular and they probably have no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. In a small church, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen because we all have our blind sides. You know, right. there's always people that can hide things. Right. But I found, I found it extremely ironic that when he was looking for a place to go and he wanted someone to hear him, he didn't go to his mega church pastor. He came in to a local church that was right down the road from where he lived. You know, um, right? Because he, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say we're here for a community. We're yeah, here for a community, and and I feel like I'm not against large churches. I think they're great, but I think at a certain right. point you lose the ability to shepherd your flock, the flock that is among you. Yeah, and so. and, and that that's what I was going to say. He probably get a quicker audience with you, which obviously he did. <laughs> Than if his church is running five six thousand, um, yeah. I mean I remember the church I was pastoring formerly, in not thirty minutes down the road, you know there's the large it is the largest church in the state of Mississippi with all its campuses and all that, and um and I we'd have several people who joined and simply for the fact of it wasn't because hey we like the preaching or the programs it was when we're not here people notice. Mm-hmm. And 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 so there's availability to to get to an under shepherd for counseling. There's availability for accountability. Um, and people notice when you're not in your Sunday school. And and so going back, you know, Dennis, what you were saying about, and I'll say his name, Andy Stanley, you know, but don't call him James. He got pretty roasted, and he should have because 
like you said, and I'm not talking about his church specifically, but that those larger churches, yes, they, they can do some great mission work that our churches can't afford to do. Right. They can get in so many things. That's why we're so faithful to the local association so we can get with other churches to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, the context of a smaller congregation, when you have, you know, he's talking about bringing your children to programs. Um, again, we, we start off on so two different foundations and that's why it's so difficult to have a conversation because I'm not worried about the programs my children are going to. Um, I'm worried about right. the, the, the doctrine of the church, uh, the preaching ministry of the church, um, mm-hmm. Not just now, programs are needed, you know, trellis and divine type of language from that book. But right. uh, but I just think there's such advantages to the smaller congregation um, where I I know the people who are teaching my children. I know what they're teaching them, and mm-hmm. they love my children, and they they spend time with my children outside the context of a small group or Sunday school time. So. I, the, on the children aspect of it, there's such advantages um, to the to, to the local, uh, which I think in one one messenger thing we're having, uh, one of our fellow uh, minister friends said, actually we just need to call ourselves normal churches. We're the normal right. size church. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but um, but anyway, that that's some of the first thoughts that come to mind when I'm thinking about uh, my my children who are discipling them that know them. Elders who have, have been in my living room eating dinner with me, you know, like well, just what Jonathan was said, man. I mean, you those size churches, and they usually have a security team. You're not walking off the street, the street with alcohol in your breath, and getting to the senior pastor, right? Well, um, I, I think of you know, James. We you, you didn't get to attend, but Jonathan and I got to attend the Mississippi Baptist Convention this year, and at the convention, Brian Croft was there, and he oh, said great. something. At the pastor's conference. Yeah, at the pastor's conference. Excuse me. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, but at the pastor's conference, one of the things he said was that, um, you know, he gave 10 things that pastors um, should be doing. And mm-hmm. one of the things he talked about was praying for the flock. And he said, you know, pastors, you should be praying by name for every member of your church, which was very convicting to me. Mm-hmm. And and he said, you know, that's hard to do in a mega church. You can't possibly pray for every person, but but as a smaller church, we have the opportunity to live life like you said, Jonathan. Be in community with these mm-hmm. people. Um, we see them at the football games. We see them at the basketball games. We see them at the grocery store. Um, we see them, you know, just the other day I had a conversation with a lady who doesn't even go to our church, but because we're in this community together, um, yeah. she saw me and we had a good conversation. Um, because we we are in that smaller church, and that's not to say that you can't have a conversation with a big church pastor. Um, there are some great large church pastors who are amazing, godly men who have just as much as a pastoral heart yes. as small yes. church pastors. So one of the things we don't want to do is bash large church pastors, but what we do want to say is there is a place for the small church and it is an important place. Listen, if you're a small church pastor and you're listening to this podcast, we want you to know that what you're doing matters. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're pastoring a church of 20 people or you're pastoring a church of 200 people. Your ministry really does matter. And you're that's doing, yeah. You're doing mm-hmm. important work. And something I have to constantly remind myself of is that Jesus says when we see Jesus in eternity – 
it's going to be well done, my good and faithful servant, right. not well done, my good and successful servant. Right. Like right. we we as yeah. as church members, I mean, as small church pastors. I myself, we, we compare ourselves to better, more successful pastors and churches. And we can, we run the risk constantly of, of feeling insignificant, feeling like what we're doing doesn't matter. You know, on the 32nd week of not having anyone come down for your invitation and, and your, because your church is 56 members on Sunday morning and you know all of their salvation stories, you know, um, you know, Ha, don't feel insignificant. Don't feel like you're not right. doing something important. You have a job. You are being faithful to the calling God has placed on your life. Um, and this is one of the reasons I was so excited when Dennis came to me about this podcast and about this this blog that we're starting. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of something that was just going to end up being white noise amongst the right. crowd. I think this is uniquely um, something that's needed, and, and like I said, an encouragement that's needed. So, yeah, right. we, when we when we first got started that. That was the thing was we didn't want to be just another voice out there. We wanted to have a, a, a specific, distinct voice. And, of course, right. there was no one addressing small church uh, leaders, um, pastors. And uh, and going back to your saying, is, is it's a needed work. It's a necessary work, and it's a good work of passion in local church. Again, I just think it's a, somewhat of an American phenomenon. We start putting this undue pressure on ourselves about, like you said, I get the same way when it's not – it's not the size I wanted or of these things. And, and, and I think just like you said, the steady faithfulness and, and a, a small group that we're, we're doing right now, we're going through First Timothy just line by line, verse by verse. And it's just refreshing to read Paul's encouragement um, to Timothy, especially in chapter four, um, about, you know, just handing these things over and sound doctrine, keeping a, a, a watch over your life and. Give yourself over to these things for the good of your soul, not only your soul, but of the, the hearers, the souls of the hearers. And so, therefore, that's that's just encouraging to me to say a handful of twenty-five, fifty, or five thousand. That that standard is still there of accountability, and um, and it's a, and it's a good work. And so, you know, just and, and going back to your saying, no, no, we're not trying to say anything necessarily bad because small churches have their issues too. But about right. the mega church. But but our context here to those who are listening, the context is Andy Stanley was painting a portrait of you need to pull out of the country smaller churches and come to us because we have answers, we have programs that they can offer you. Right. And so right. and so so of course we're going to have a response to that as right. we're out in the, we're out in the trenches too, um, yeah. in, li- in living rooms, counseling couples who are struggling with divorce or adultery. You know, widows who just lost their husbands. We're at the funeral homes. We're at the hospitals. And then we've got two sermons on Sunday, a Wednesday night Bible study, a senior group that meets once a month on Tuesday morning that we go to and eat lunch with them and do devotional. I mean, there's just so much before us. And that's why we want to pause and to use the word push back. We want to push back against mm-hmm. that, that idea going, no, we, we have something great, um, mm-hmm. uh, to offer those. And, well, um, and something you were hitting on just a little bit earlier talking about that, it's, it's content over construct, you know, like mm-hmm. it, right. it's not what we've constructed, the programs, it's not, uh, the facilities, it's the content of what we're teaching and the, and the quality of what we're doing in our communities. Um, right. but even as we lift off stuff, there are, what about the ones, like, let's just take, 
Stanley's word at itself. But what about the people who don't have the means to transport their child to the megachurch in the city? You know, what about those people? Are they just left behind? Are they just out of luck? Um, you know what? I don't want to be relegated to taking the leftovers, but I'm happy to take anyone that some megachurch or some other church would consider a leftover, you know? Um, right. They're, they're just simply people, children, youth, that, you know, they live out in rural areas. They can't drive 30 minutes into town to a bigger town. We need a small churches to have quality children's and youth programs that, right. that are right. engaging them. Um, we can't use, um, we can't use the fact that we're a small church as an excuse either. It's right. kind of what I'm getting at. Right. Okay. Yeah, you know? um, let's move on to our next topic that we want to All discuss right. today. Um, cause I think that was a great discussion. But the last thing we wanted to talk about today was as we start this podcast, cause this is our inaugural podcast. What are the things we would like to see come out of this podcast? What are some of the um, things we would like to accomplish um, through meeting together and talking and, and um, you know, maybe some future topics we want to discuss um, and, and just sort of where we, we see this going? And so um, we'll just start um, with you, Jonathan. What, what would you like to see? Fame and a book deal. No, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, I, I would, if anything comes out of this, um, I, if I think honestly, if one small church pastor comes away from reading our blogs or hearing this podcast and, and just says, thank, thank God for that. Right. You know, if that happens, even if I never know it, that's what will make it worth it for me. You know, I, I think about the times when I've been discouraged. I think about the times when I have not known what to do because I felt alone in the ministry. And I wish that I had someone to speak into my situation. And if I can be that for someone um, or if we could be that for someone, um, that's right. that makes it all worth it for me. Yeah. James, what about you? Um, yeah, just echoing what Jonathan was saying, I think. As we said at the beginning, you know, if we walk away and and guy men are feeling encouraged and they feel like there's other voices out there, someone's saying what they're feeling, and yet they get a response back to say, okay, that's how I need to handle that, or hey, I haven't walked, I'm not the only one that's gone through that, right? And they and they walk away encouraged. And and as we the different articles, I mean, you're talking about, well, I know we'll talk about some topics, but there's just a wide range of things to discuss and talk about. Right. Um. So we have plenty of material um and topics to discuss. But but that's my that's my goal. I've been there. I know depression. I know fatigue. I know sadness, right. loneliness. We know those things, and we just want to say to anyone who it does listen is is continue to hang in there, remain faithful. You you are not alone. Find other ministers mm-hmm. who who are who are in the same with you, and if they're they're older, they're younger. If you're younger, find an older minister that'll pour some wisdom to you, encourage you, and challenge you. If you're an older minister and you feel like you're doing well, far as you know where you're at in your life, I know you're still have struggles, but I just telling you right now, there's I was I was pastoring at 21, 21, planting a church, pastoring right. it by myself. Um, and so, yes, that sounds like a knuckleheaded move, and it might have been. But um, <laughs> but there's there was just times, and that was one of the best things that happened to me when I was in Cato, Mississippi, was running into Dennis. And Dennis and I, I mean, I mean, seriously, on a weekly basis, 
Right. We were meeting in Jackson and, and, and eating or, you know, what we do as Baptists, but we were eating or, you know, hanging out and we were just, <laughs> but we, but, but we would, we would, we would talk and, and, and I would right. challenge Dennis and Dennis would challenge me and my thought process. And, and yes, sometimes it was, Hey, I'm having this problem and what can I do? And sometimes right. you just need a sounding board. But I say all that to say that's, that's what I like for this to be is a podcast, a discussion. Mm-hmm. And as anyone right. listens to this, they feel like they're hanging with their friends and like, yes, 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 I've heard that. Yes, yes I've gone through that. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it like James did because that was foolish right. and he paid right. the price for that. Yeah. So, so well, that, well, that's just really what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and see, this past year, um, I've had seven guys that I know. I'm so I'm close friends who have who have left the ministry, um, and mm-hmm. for me, um, I've been there. You know, I, I, I've planted a church like James has. And and I've been there when you're at the end of your rope and you're just like, I'm done. I'm done. And um, if we can be a place where a guy who's at that point can come to and find that um, that edification that he needs. There's another good E word that we can add to our list where he can feel that edification where he's not. He feels like I'm not alone, you know, because yeah. that's how I felt. I felt like I was the only one who was this big of a mess up, who had done these stupid things, who had found himself in this place. And so for me, what I want this to be is a place where, yes, I want for a guy who is is in a small church who says, you know, how do I do evangelism when I'm the only one who's going out? Yes, I mm-hmm. want him to find some places, some materials and some some ideas and some encouragement on how he can do that. But I also want for that guy who's who's done to find a place where he can hear someone say, you know what, just just go one more day, just stay faithful one more day. God has a purpose, even this pain. God has a purpose in the midst of this mess that you find yourself in. God has a purpose for that. And, and it brings me back to one of my favorite guys who is Andrew Murray. Um, you know, and, and, and I know that sometimes he has some walkie theology, but I really love Andrew Murray for the fact that he was a small church pastor. His entire ministry wrote all of these books, but I love one time he said that humility is nothing but the disappearance of self and the vision that God is all. And, um, I just think that's amazing. That's what I want guys to hear is that God is all, God is faithful. God is seeing you through this pain, um, that, that, True humility is us being replaced by God, and I want to see that guy go that extra day knowing that God has a purpose in the midst of this pain for him, knowing that God has a place for him in the midst of this pain. That's what I want to see out of this Yeah, Um, because I've been there, man. I've been there where I was doing, and and I know y'all have too. Um, So – and I, and I do, I hope, you know, um, for me as far as some of the things I'd like to see us do in the podcast – um, for those of you that don't know James and Jonathan, they have amazing stories of of and of pain and and the way that God has seen them through that. I would love for us to be able to discuss our story some and how God has used that. I would love for us to be able to to do little things like um, uh, review books for for small church pastors and say, hey, this is a good one to you read because. Um, if you guys are like me, you either have no book budget like I do or you have a very small book budget. And so being helpful to small church pastors and say, these are the books that are worth, worth your time. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need to buy this book. This isn't worth your time. Mm-hmm. 
these are books that are worth your your money because you know little things like that that mm-hmm. can be practical helps to small church pastors. I want to see. And not to interrupt you, but obviously as I look at the background of Jonathan, he's going to have plenty of recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's <laughs> not the only one. Mine's see. just not behind me. <laughs> yeah, y'all have. He has more books than me. I I just happen to have mine right behind me. He is strategically placed so that we look at him and say, Jonathan, you are a scholar, man. I can see by all of your books behind you that you're I'm given that impression, but if I told you how many of those books on that shelf were unread, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be nearly as impressed. And, and as, Let's see. As you can tell behind me, I'm a great scholar. Yeah. And, uh, just a blank wall. I have and, my um, books. Dennis has his, his, uh, his uh, degrees, and yeah. you have a wall. Yeah, yeah, that that, we that lets you, you know, know what's important to us. Yeah. I'm gonna let you know exactly how much I'm gonna contribute to the podcast, and so right there, you see it all behind me. If we're gonna talk about what's important to us, then then there are other things uh, I would like to display. R2D2. Yes, R2D2. Well, I keep a good reminder with my Spurgeon bobblehead. Oh my goodness. That's really that? my only best oh, decoration. I'm sorry. We're about to cut the podcast. James is showing a. Um, Tagliavoa, ta- ta- what's his name? Tua? Tua. Tua? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tua for Heisman. So all James cares about is Alabama football. There will be no Alabama football talk on this podcast. I don't want to hear how many rings y'all have. I don't want to hear oh, how many goodness. national championships y'all have won. Um, but just for the record, just for the record, 17 national championships <laughs> and I have, I, and I have, and I have been a fan since 1982. Okay, so I, I was I was born into this dynasty, and so, but, uh, right. but no, I, I'm not I'm not my office, so I don't have anything to show you guys. That's why <laughs> I, I can I can attest that James has a very large library, so don't mm-hmm. let him fool you. He has a very very large library, so um, I've seen it. Um, guys, anything else before we close today? Anything y'all y'all wanted to say, or anything that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, um, on our social media stuff, get on Twitter, find us, Small Church Shepherds, Facebook, Small Church Shepherds, share, like, um, get your friends. Uh, the more exposure, the more edification that we can share with guys. Um, just as a quick, you know, plug, just, uh, if everybody can do that. Um, everybody's been doing great and sharing the stories, um, the articles everybody's been writing. Um, and so if you can just jump on that, it, I think that would be, uh, a great way to to help this ministry out, and it'll just right. strengthen um, as we, we get we get broader in it. Absolutely, and I well, and, also, and I agree. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say also, if you have any questions or topic ideas or anything right. you want us to discuss, you can shoot an email to smallchurchshepherds at gmail dot com, and um, that we would love to uh, talk about your questions or topics. Absolutely, yeah. I was going to say that too. So thanks, Jonathan, and 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 just. Keep those topics. I mean, if we don't always get to address them on the podcast, we can always address them in a blog. Um, we want to be uh, faithful stewards. We've got some great guys who are contributing. Um, I would love for us to be able to have some of those guys who are contributing on the on the blog side to be able to come into some of these po- these podcasts and participate in that because they've got such a wealth of knowledge and God has really blessed us with some some amazing guys. And so we really want to dig into some of those stories and some of those um, ways that God has walked these pastors through some of these things. So I'm hoping we can do that. Uh, well, um, if anybody, nobody has some, anything else, I want to close by saying God bless you. 
Um, hope that um, you will continue to pray for small t- church shepherds. We hope to have other ways for you to continue to bless and support this podcast, and we'll put those out to you as we have them. Uh, but God bless you, and have a great day, and thank you for listening to Small Church Shepherds.